Thank you, guys. Our New Testament text is taken from Matthew chapter 7, and we'll be reading verses 24 through 29, uh, and this is the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this will be our last Sunday in the Sermon on the Mount, and so uh, please follow along with me how Jesus ends this teaching in Matthew. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, we're going to start here, and this is, as I said, the last series in the Sermon on the Mount. And it was actually, I taught on that, this same passage a couple of months ago, I guess, and that was sort of, I remember reading it and thinking, wow, this is sort of, we talked about the parable and, or the, the analogy, and we'll talk about it, that again tonight, about the two builders, but I thought, wow, this would be so great to go back and look at the Sermon on the Mount. And when Jesus says, um, you know, in verse, oh, that was the Old Testament reading, I was just glancing at when Jesus says, excuse me, in verse 28, um, that the crowds were amazed at his teaching. I thought, wow, we should go back and go through that whole teaching. And um, I've spent a lot of time reading and studying the Sermon on the Mount. I've seen lots of great quotes and lots of interesting things. Uh, one of the things I saw was from FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It was the American president during the Great Depression and World War II. And he said that, I doubt if there is any problem in the world today, social, political, or economic, that would not find a happy solution if it approached in the spirit of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I thought that was really great. And there's another um, modern quote that actually um, Andy and I were talking about a little bit. There's an American columnist who grew up Jewish, and he's had sort of a spiritual awakening. His name's David Brooks. He's written a couple of great books. And one of the things he says is, I'm still Jewish. I still identify as Jewish, but I can't unread Matthew. I can't ignore the Sermon on the Mount. This seems like the perfect way to live life. And so to us tonight then, as we wrap up the Sermon on the, on the Mount, let me ask you, what brings you joy? Aside from, you know, what, the obvious church answer of, oh, Jesus, right? Jesus brings me joy. That's good. <laughs> but what brings you joy? Uh, maybe a better question is, what reminds you of the joy we have found, right? Because nothing really brings us joy outside of Christ. We know that joy is, is from the Spirit of God as we talk about it here in church. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And we have been promised joy through the Holy Spirit, through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've been promised peace also, right? We just sang about. But so then when it comes to our, um, our lives, what reminds us of joy? Maybe it's time with family. Maybe it's time with friends. Maybe it's time alone, <laughs> Uh, maybe it's time spent reading or studying. It can be anything. Things that remind us of the goodness of our God. Things that remind us and that other people see in our lives the goodness of our God. And yet, 
something that makes me a little bit sad is that when I think about, if I'm honest, my faith, when I see Christianity as it's presented to the world by other people, I don't see a ton of joy. Right? When it comes to our faith, at least in the public eye, and, and maybe it's because I pay attention to a lot of what's happening in the U.S., being American, um, sometimes we just don't see the joy in Christianity. What do we see? We see all sorts of things. We see anger. We see defensiveness. We see fear. We see like a begrudging obedience sometimes, people complaining all the time about what it takes to be a Christian or to follow God. Oftentimes, we'll see arrogance in Christian leaders or Christian authorities, but, but if I'm completely honest, I don't see a lot of joy. It's sort of hard sometimes, because oftentimes in life, we just focus on the bad things, don't we? We worry about the things we might lose. We worry about the, the difficulties from our past. But I really believe that this book, this life, what we're doing here, worshiping God, I mean, Think about that beautiful song we just had about peace. A peaceful life like that should be a joyful life. And yet so many of us don't experience that joy. We forget about the promises of Jesus who in John chapter 10 said, there's a thief who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Another translation says, I have come that they would have life and that they would have it abundantly. See, I see this life not about the fear, not about the negative, but about the blessings, about the things God has done for us, about the things God has promised us. This is what we've been reading in the Sermon on the Mount. This is what the Beatitudes are. Blessed are the dot, dot, dot. Those who do these things will indeed be blessed. <laughs> blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. All these things. And if I'm completely honest with you, I think oftentimes as Christians, we lack joy because we are sort of ill-equipped to handle the goodness of God sometimes. I mean, really, we are ill-equipped sometimes to handle the blessings God wants to give us. C.S. Lewis famously said in his essay, The Weight of Glory, that our desires for God are far too weak. We don't believe that God actually wants to give us good things. And so when we look at this last passage here in the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to think about joy. And we're going to talk about what that means. He starts in verse 24, or we start in verse 24, after this wonderful teaching through Matthew 5 and 6, in the, first, in the beginning of 7, he says, Therefore, if you hear and put these things into practice, you will be like a wise man. If you put these things into practice, if you listen, then you will be like a wise man. What does the wise man do? Well, the wise man builds his house, wise man or woman, builds his house upon the rock. And when the rain comes down and the streams rise up and the winds blow and beat against that house, it will not fall because it had that strong foundation. Which we know to mean not just these teachings of Jesus, but all of Scripture. That Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, is just like a spotlight into truth that is found in all of Scripture. As he said, I have come not to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill it. And so Jesus says, if you live your life according to the, the, the truth of God, the commands of God, the, the, the wonderful joy we have in Scripture, then your foundation will be sound. But, verse 26, if you don't listen, you're like the one who builds their house upon the sand. 
The same thing happens. The rain comes, the streams rise, the winds blow, but that house collapses. It falls with a great crash. And people heard this and they were amazed. They were amazed at his authority. They were amazed at his understanding of the scriptures and the way he could explain it. And it gave people life. We'll talk about that in a moment. We'll talk about what this does and the life we find in this, but let's look at the analogy first. Two builders, two people building a house, both had seemingly equal resources, the ability to build, um, right? Both houses looked good from the outside, right? Both houses just sort of seemed the same. From the outside, you probably wouldn't be able to decide because this is, after all, the foundation. And then the rain comes. Now, We talked about this back in Matthew 5, so some of you may know a little bit where I'm going. But we often think of rain as a bad thing. We live in Switzerland. We want it to rain less, right? I want it to be sunnier. There was a day in July, I think, or no, it was um, last week when we were supposed to have our fellowship event down on the lake. And I just remember thinking, it's 12 degrees, freezing cold wind and rain in August. There is something wrong with this place. (laughs) Like, it's summertime. The rest of the world is having a heat wave, and I'm wearing a jacket. Right? Like we think of it here in Switzerland as we want less rain. Right? We don't think of rain as a good thing. We think of rain as a negative thing. But we mention this, and Jesus talks about this in Matthew 5 earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, God causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. And when we look at Scripture, our Old Testament passage we just read, we look at other Scriptures, the analogy given for rain, was it bad or was it good? It was actually a good thing. When we look at the scriptures, rain was actually an analogy for gifts and blessing from God. If you look at the book of 2 Chronicles, in chapter 7, God actually punishes the people of Israel by sending a drought. He stops the rain, and that is his punishment for their unbelief. We see the same thing in 1 Kings, when Elijah stops the drought after a really long time. Our passage, just like I said, in Ezekiel tonight, says, said, I will make them in the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing that will bring to a great crop and a great harvest. Even in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 14, tells us that God blesses us with rain and a bountiful harvest. So we have to remember in the Middle East, rain is a good thing. When you're in an agricultural or agrarian society, rain is something that brings life, it brings prosperity, it brings a harvest. And so I want to challenge all of us for a second when we think of this, what if the rain here is a good thing um, and that God is sending rain on these two houses, God is sending blessings to these two houses? And immediately you sort of push back and you sort of, wait a minute, if God was trying to bless me, I would, of course, take it. I wouldn't allow the blessing, the good things, to tear down my house. That's absurd. What a silly analogy. Well, I was thinking about this, and I started to think, this kind of makes a lot of sense. Let's just take a simple example, one we can all relate to. What's one thing we could all use a little bit more of in life? Money. Um, if, you, if, if, if your answer to that question, by the way, was no, um, come and talk to me, because I think the rest of us would like a little bit more. Um, But think about money, just simply. If God were to bless you with more money, send the rain, so to speak, and you were blessed with overflowing financial resources of one way or another, 
God would do that for the purpose of sending a bountiful harvest, that you would use it for him, that you would use it for his kingdom, that you would use it to bless other people. But think about it. If you are not living a life after Jesus, if you are not living a life of serving your neighbor and pursuing God's kingdom and God's righteousness first, that blessing of financial resources could tear your life apart. In our sin, when we are not living after God and following the truth of Scripture, following the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, the blessings of God can turn into things that we manipulate and turn into evil. We can do things that, that really take away from the blessing of God, whether it be we cling to it and try to control it, whether it be we use it for selfish purposes, I don't know. I was thinking about this in my own life. One of the things I want to do with the blessings of God is I want to possess them. I want to cling to them. I don't want to lose them, right? It's like, oh, God gave me this. I don't want to ever lose it, and so I'm going to try and control it. I'm going to get defensive. I'm going to get protective over it. In my own life, I think about this with my marriage and with my son. My wife and my son are a blessing from God, but if I am not pursuing the truth, if I am not pursuing Jesus... I might turn these things into idols. I might be a, a person who becomes selfish and pursues what I want, and then I could be at risk of even losing these great blessings in my life. If I'm living in sin and I'm not obeying God, honestly, I may do something that causes me to lose these blessings. And now, of course, these two examples, we can have money, we can still be parents and not follow God, that's fine, people do it all the time. But if we really believe the scriptures, if we really believe that God wants for us to have joyful, full, abundant lives, I think when we do these things without God, we are settling. I think when we do these things without God, we're dreaming way too small. We're missing out on what our life could, in fact, be like. Because when we cling to these things, we're constantly worried about losing it. We're constantly worried about what might happen, and we don't get to enjoy these things. When we're constantly clinging to the things we have on earth, we're worried, we're fearful, we're arrogant, we're possessive. But with Christ in the Sermon on the Mount, we learn that it's not the kingdom of this earth that matters, but the kingdom of God. And that our job is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then these things will be added unto us. And so to take these blessings, to take this rain that God sends on us, and to use it to produce a bountiful harvest through the teachings of Jesus Christ is where our joy is, is where our longevity is. Think about this parable, not that God is trying to destroy your house, but that God is trying to shower you with his love. Are you ready for that? Have you built a foundation based on his teachings and based on the things you know of him to be true? When Jesus talks also about the stream rising and the wind blowing, if you look through scripture, these also are metaphors for God's power. They're not good or bad necessarily. They're metaphors for God's power and God's might and God's control over the world. And friends, I want you to hear this tonight. Do not think of this parable as you're like in this house and you're just hoping that God doesn't send a storm that destroys you. Okay? So many people sometimes think that we're like in this house and we're just hoping we'll survive. The real reason I talked about joy before 
is because when we think God is just waiting to test our house to see if he can knock it over, what we're telling ourselves about God is that God is an angry God, that God is upset, that God wants to destroy us. And that's just not true. It's just not true. God does not want to destroy you. God does not want to send a storm that wipes you out and takes away everything you have. God wants you to build a foundation based on his teaching and his truth to be able to take all of the love and blessings he wants to give to you as his child. But in our sin, we cling to his blessings for survival. We control them for ourselves. And in doing so, we miss out on so much more. Because if I'm right when I read this passage, and God indeed does want to bless us, and God indeed does want to give us more and, 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 and bless us, not just materially, I don't think that's it. I think God wants to give us things of substance, things that matter. I, when I was thinking about this, I thought, man, this is going to sound really tricky and, and kind of like the prosperity gospel, right? That God wants us to be rich. I am not talking about money. I am talking about joy. I am talking about pursuing first the kingdom of God and getting everything we need. Because when we do that and God sends blessings upon us, then what happens after the rain and after the, the, the streams rise, what happens is there is a bountiful harvest. Two weeks ago, Philip Lasseter was here teaching on wisdom. And he used the word that I absolutely love. He talked about the vitality that wisdom brings how it brings a vitality, a vibrancy to life. That when we are living in the kingdom of God, when we are trusting in the teachings of Jesus Christ, that our life is a vibrant life full of wisdom. Not just from what Jesus said, but from all of scripture, it points to the wisdom of God. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount was about. It was about clarifying, really, what wisdom means, what God desires of us. A foundation built upon the rock is a foundation built upon the teachings of God and Jesus to bring wisdom to this life, that we can see what God is doing, that we can accept his great blessings he has for us, that we can endure all of these things in life. That's why Jesus says, throughout the, go back and reread the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said, but I tell you, dot, 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 right? You have heard it said this, but let me tell you, it's not really like this, it's like this. The way to interpret these things is through the lens of Jesus Christ. And if we want joy, if we want vitality, as Philip used that word, I love that word. If we want vitality, if we want lives that are full of fruit, Andy's been preaching on this in the morning service for, for 10 weeks, the fruit of the Spirit. If we want all of these things, Scripture talks about love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, um, whatever the other one is, kindness and self-control, Kindness, patience, forbearance, I don't know. I always miss one. If we want those things in our lives, it's based on the wisdom of God. It is based on the teachings of Jesus Christ. It is based on living a life where when God gives us the opportunity that we accept that blessing, that we accept those things through the lens of Scripture, through the lens of the kingdom of God, and that is our foundation. Because each one of us each one of us is offered these same blessings. I don't know about you. I'm going to be kind of honest with you here for a second before we end. Sometimes I really struggle with jealousy. I really struggle with envy, right? Like, why? God, why does it seem so much easier for those people? Right? God, why did you bless those people that much? 
God, why, why, whatever. And yet when I read this, I realize it's almost like God's saying, to Sam, I, I, I want to give you more. But instead of focusing on me, you're focusing on those other people. <laughs> instead of asking me what I have for you next, you're actually fearful of you're going to lose what I already gave you. See, when, Jesus re- when I read this passage, I just think of that wise person who built his house, and when the rain came, he was rejoicing because he knew that this was going to bring a harvest because his foundation was secure because he did not fear God, but he was welcoming the joy of the Lord. And for you and for I, each one of us has this choice. Each one of us has the choice to build our foundation on the word of God. And, and, and what, you might even disagree with me and say, no, he's clearly talking about bad things. That's fine. Whether the rain here is good or bad, either way, a house built upon the teachings of Jesus is the only one that will stand, is the only one that will last the test of time. But you and I need to know, and I truly believe this, that without following Christ, without texts like the Sermon on the Mount and really putting them to work in our lives, joy is very, very elusive. Joy will escape us. We'll focus on daily happiness, trying to find happiness and pleasures and things, rather than the joy of the Lord, which is offered to you and to me through the Holy Spirit. We need not fear. This life is not about worrying if God is going to destroy our house. This life is about resting in the loving power of God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which goes with us every single day. And so for you and for me, Let me remind us all, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man or woman who built his house upon the rock. The rain came down, blessings came down, streams rose, winds blew, all sorts of things happened, and they beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because its foundations were in the kingdom of God and not in the kingdom of this world. And so, church, my hope and prayer for you and for me is that we would be joyful Christians. That when people look at us, we would not be fearful, that we would not be aggressive, that we would not be controlling, that we would not be defensive, but that we would be joyful. And that the image people see of our God and our Savior is that of joy. And of a loving Father who gives good gifts to his children. Amen? Let's pray. God, you indeed are the giver of good gifts. And so we say thank you. Father, we confess our doubt, we confess our struggles, we confess our sin. And Lord, I pray that um, we would begin to sometimes see rain as a blessing. God, that we would look for your love in all the things that happen in our lives. Thank you so much for the words of Christ. Thank you so much for all that we have that we do not deserve. And so God, we praise you our loving God, our Heavenly Father, and our Savior. Amen. I'm going to invite our musicians up, um, and you are welcome to respond however uh, you feel. um, Stand, sit, whatever you like.